I keep going back to the city of refuge in my mind. God selected certain cities, and if you were in trouble, or you were being hunted, or something was going wrong, you can go into that city and you would be immune, and you would be received, and you'd be blessed. And that's what the church is. It's a city of refuge. It's a city of refuge to the world. It's a city of refuge to God's people. And Praise the Lord for that. I want to just read a passage of Scripture out of Isaiah. It's in Isaiah 43, verse 15. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. Thus says the Lord, which makes a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth the chariot and the horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together. They shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as tow. Verse 18. Remember not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I, the Lord, will do a new thing, and it shall spring forth, and you will not know it. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Remember not the former things, Neither consider the things of old, for behold, I shall do a new thing, and it shall spring forth. And I want to exhort the brothers and sisters to chisel those words in your heart. Stand on them. They will be life to you. The Lord is doing a new thing. And that's what this meeting is for. And we have no past. This word that Isaiah gave was given to the Israelites right after or at the tail end of their great pain and suffering in Babylon. And they suffered great loss. They suffered great pain. They suffered great hurt. And the Lord said to them, forget it. Don't look back. I'm doing a new thing. And I say this to you, our God is doing a new thing. Amen. Remember Praise not the, the past. I have a word on my heart to bring, and I will just confess to you that there have been many obstacles for me to be here tonight. Even as late as last evening, uh, obstacles coming from east, the west, the south, the north to prevent me from being here. But as I told you in my letter, horses that have run wild could not keep me from coming here. Uh, I determined, you know, Lord, unless you take me or incapacitate me, I'm coming to this meeting. So I thank God that he gave me the grace to be here and to enjoy it with you. But I do have a word to bring, and I will say this to you. It's a very simple word. It probably will not take very long to deliver, but it's going to be incredibly difficult for me to deliver it. So I'm asking the Lord right now for his anointing and for clarity. The psalmist said that the Lord made known his ways to Moses, but he made known his acts to the children of Israel. He made known his ways to Moses. We have a God that does not do anything arbitrarily. He's very deliberate in what he does, and he has ways of doing things. He has specific ways of dealing with his creation. 
And if we understand the ways of God, and of course it takes a lifetime to, to understand the ways of God, but the more we understand the ways of God, the more we understand who He is. For His ways give us insight into His nature and into His person. And I want to talk to you tonight about one particular way of the Lord and how He deals with His creation. And I hope it encourages you. It's a word of hope. It's a word of encouragement. But I'm going to warn you, it's, it's very easy to forget it. So I'm hoping that if I can deliver this clearly, that you will stick it inside of you and that you won't let it slip because it could mean life or death. There will come a time in your life as individuals where this will mean surviving. And there will come a time in your life as a church, but if you can grasp this, you will be spared a lot of backtracking and a lot of pain. Uh, you won't be so much spared pain, but you will be spared a lot of loss. How's that? And I think that this aspect of the Lord is little known among the Lord's people. It's the reason why most of God's people are living in a charismatic fantasy land, and they get so discouraged so easily. So I hope this encourages you. I'm going to speak from one verse in the New Testament, and it's Hebrews chapter 10. So if you want to turn there, I'm going to stand up. That's all right with you. I promise I won't kick anybody in front of me here. As long as you don't kick me while I'm talking. <laughs> Hebrews 10.9. I'm just going to read the last portion of this verse. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. And I want to repeat that. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. And what I want to talk to you about tonight is summed up in that passage. He takes away that he might establish. You like the ring of that? Yeah. I like the ring of that. Now, let me give you the context here. The writer of Hebrews is talking about the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. And he's saying that God, thank God he did this, God took away the Old Covenant to establish the New Covenant. He removed one to bring in the other. He took away all the ceremonies and all the sacrifices of the Old Testament to establish the New Covenant, which is embodied in Jesus Christ, who is the substance of all of those things in the Old Covenant. And uh, this is very difficult for a Jew to cope with. In the mind of a Jew, forgive me, brother, but in the mind of an unregenerate Jew, there is no such thing as a better covenant than the Old Covenant. There is no better covenant. But here, the writer of Hebrews says, he takes away the first covenant to establish the new covenant, and listen to this, what he establishes is better than what he took away. He takes away to establish, and what he establishes is always better than what he took away. In fact, the word better is a word that's used over and over again in the book of Hebrews. Read it sometime and you'll just see it. We have a better sacrifice. We have better promises. We have a better covenant. Now, I thank the Lord that I'm not living in the old covenant that I don't have to go to the outer court and sling the blood of a goat or a bull to get my sins forgiven. Praise the Lord for that. Uh, we have a spiritual sacrifice. And uh, we offer spiritual offerings. 
in the Old Covenant, you had to gut an animal, a bull, or a goat, or a cow, and you had to take the entrails out. You know what the entrails are? The insides. And then you had to add salt and honey, and then you had to burn this, and cook that, and flay this, and boil that, and it was a living nightmare. Now, praise the Lord, we're not under that anymore. And yet, this is the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, you couldn't wear any kind of clothing that you wear today. You were forbidden to mix fabrics. You couldn't mix wool and linen. When you plowed, you couldn't plow with two different kinds of animals. All right, it, it was just don't after don't, law after law, and it, it was bondage. It was complicated. So we have a better covenant. Well, I want to submit to you that this word he takes away that he might establish is a principle that governs the way that God works with his creation, the way that God deals with us, the way that God deals with the church, the way that God deals with an individual. It's his way. And what he establishes is always better than what he took away. So let's, let's look at this through history. And let's go back to the very creation of the earth and take a look at how God created the earth. Now, when God created the earth, what was the state of the earth as soon as he created it? Can anybody describe it? Do you remember? It was formless. It was void. And there's something else. Darkness covered the earth. The creation of the earth began with darkness. And after the darkness, God said, let there be light. What came first, the darkness or the light? The darkness darkness came first. Now watch this. When God begins something new, when God does something new, when he creates something new, he always starts with darkness, not light. And darkness is the removal of light. He takes away that he might establish. Then he begins to create. And the scripture says, and the evening and the morning were the first day. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And the evening and the morning were the third day. On and on up until the seventh day. Now what comes first? Evening or morning? Evening comes first. God starts with darkness, then light. He starts with the evening, then the morning. And then when, when you hit the seventh day, he rests. And the scripture does not say, and the evening and the morning was the seventh day. It says it up to the sixth day, and then God rests. And there is no evening and morning. Now, what brought God into his rest? What caused God to rest? He saw his image and likeness in the earth, and then he rested. Behold, I show you a mystery. When God sees his image and his likeness in the earth, then he can rest. He doesn't rest until he sees his image and likeness in the earth. But he starts with the evening and then the morning. He starts with darkness and then light. God's beginnings are always with the evening. What we call the end of the day, he calls the beginning. Frank, I can't help but thinking of a, a, every life that begins on earth spends nine months in darkness. That's good, brother. God's beginnings are our nights. 
what we call the end, he calls the beginning. In fact, what may appear to be the end to you in the eyes of God is the beginning for him. Are you with me on this? He starts with darkness. He takes away that he might establish. And what he establishes is better than what he took away. Now, the natural mind can't really hold this because we, you know, our day starts out in the mornings with birds singing, newspaper thrown on the lawn, fresh coffee percolating. But God begins in the evening. He begins with darkness. And then he brings light. So what does Genesis 1 teach us? It teaches us several things. One, God's beginnings are always in darkness. The evening is where he starts, and then he moves to the morning. But there's something else, and that is that if you look at the six days of creation, if you follow them, each day gets better than the day before. Isn't that true? I mean, every day there was what? There was more life. Every day there was, there was more light. And he began to say, uh, it is good. And then when he got to the end, he said, it's very good. So it got better. As it continued, it got better. So here again, we see this. This is something in our God, the way he works. He takes away to establish. And what he establishes is better. So that's the creation. But you actually see this all throughout the scripture, this principle and this tendency. Let's go forward, and now we come to Job. We come to a man who uh, really had a, talk about a dark night. Uh, I can't even imagine what that brother went through. Here is a man who has great wealth. Here is a man who has friends. Later found out they weren't really good friends, but he had friends. Uh, here is a man who has a lot of children. And here is a man who is, is blessed by God. He has wealth. He has a large family. He has friends. He's a blessed man. What happened? God took it away. And I want you to be impressed with this. This happened suddenly, without warning. Wow. You know, an angel did not send Job an email saying, get ready, there's a big one coming. Just, you know, God didn't fax him a, a warning saying, uh, look out, you're going to lose everything in a day. And he lost the stuff in a day. He lost his kids. Have you ever read the story? The same day, it, it happens rapid fire, the, the, these people come report to him. Uh, Job, all your cattle have been wiped out. Job, fire fell from heaven and all your crops. Uh, Job, there was a hurricane and your kids are dead. I mean, it's just in, in one day, he lost just about everything. And um, it appears that God was absent, but he wasn't. He was silent. In Job's dark night, God was silent, but he wasn't absent. Amen. That's good. He was silent, but he wasn't absent. He was there throughout it from beginning to end. He was actually behind it. He was allowing it. Of course, we know what was happening. I mean, there was a shift between what was happening in the, in the heavenlies and on earth. It's Job's drama was being played out on a double stage. There was things happening that he was not aware of. But this man, in his dark night, and incidentally, let me make this comment, the evening always has within it the promise of the morning. The night always has within it 
the promise of the day to come. And I want to say that to you because you need to remember this. When you go through the dark night, as a church or as individuals, you need to remember that that evening is the promise of a morning. And that darkness is the promise that there will be light. And that may not take the pain away, but I'll tell you something, you'll endure it. And you won't lose the vision. Because he takes away that he might establish. And what he establishes is always better than what he took away. All right, so Job endures this, and he, he is being bombarded on every point, and he maintains his integrity. And his words are so fitting. He says, the Lord gave. And then what? The Lord took away. And then, after the evening, after the night, there was a morning. And God gave back to Job everything he lost and more. He received double of what he lost. He received more children. He received more wealth, more cattle, more crops. And not only that, he lived for 140 more years. And God blessed him. Now, of course, I always think to myself when I read that account, well, what about the kids that are buried in the backyard? I mean, you've got to, what about them, you know? But it says, the Lord blessed Job greater in the later days, in those 140 years, than he did previously. So I have to believe that the Lord took the pain away and he was a peaceful, satisfied man. The Lord takes away that he may establish. You have a God, I have a God that takes away so that he may establish. And when he establishes, it's always better than that which he took away. So if you've got something good in your life, be prepared for it to be taken away. But know this, if he takes away, he's going to establish and it'll be better. All right, let's continue to move forward. And we have Joseph, the dreamer. He's a young man. He has, he has a family, a large family. He has a father that loves him. is, is very uh, precious to him. And God gives him a dream, and he has a vision. He sees his destiny. He's excited about it. So excited, he starts to brag about it, which is a mistake. <laughs> and, uh, and what happens? He enters into darkness. He gets thrown into a waterless pit, a place of darkness. And he's left there for dead. And then from there, he gets promoted to a prison. And he's, he's in jail. He's, Actually, he's on death row. And the psalmist says this, The word of the Lord tried him as his soul fell into iron. In other words, when he was in prison, the word of the Lord was trying and testing him to see whether or not he was going to let go of the vision. But Joseph, what a man. He held to the vision until the end. Even though everything that was going on around him said the opposite. <laughs> And then he had his mourning, and God brought him out of the prison, exalted him to be ruler over Egypt, and his family was restored. And this time, his brothers didn't hate him. They loved him, and they awed at him. And he has father back, and he received more than what the Lord had taken away. The vision came to pass. He takes away that he might establish, and when he establishes, it's better. 
Then we move over to Moses and Aaron. And this is a beautiful story, I think. There's a controversy about leadership. And Moses and Aaron are being challenged. And God gets this bright idea and He says, Moses, I want you to take a rod from each of the leaders, the, the tribes of Israel, 12 rods. And I want you to put them in the tabernacle. Now, do you know where they went in the tabernacle? Do you have any idea where those rods were put? They were put in the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest is supposed to go. They were put back there behind the curtain, and there's no light there. The only time that place is lit up is when God shows up in His glory on top of that mercy seat. Other than that, it's dark. It's pitch black. And so the Lord says, take the rods and put them in the Holy of Holies in pure darkness for one whole night. There was an evening. There was darkness. There was a night. And in the morning, Moses went. He took the rods out. And what happened to one of them? It budded. Life out of death. The rod was dead. It was a dead stick. But in the dark night, something happened to it. In the morning, there was a resurrection. And it produced blossoms. It sprouted buds and had almonds on it. And it was the rod of Aaron. And the Lord was making a point. Evening is always followed by morning. And the evening is the time of death, brothers and sisters. The dark night is the time of death. It's the time of hopelessness. But the morning is the resurrection. And the evening and the morning were the first day and the second day. Every evening has the promise of a morning. Every night has the promise of a day. He takes away that he might establish. David, he's a young boy. He has it's seemingly a functional family. And Samuel comes over to him, the heavy-duty prophet in the land, picks him out out of all the young men, anoints his head with oil, prophesies over him, and anoints him to be the king over all Israel. What a vision. What a destiny. Let's ask the question, what happened after that? I'll tell you what happened after that. Nothing happened after that. It was like he was ignored. Absolutely ignored. I mean, he thought he was going to be on TBN and have his face on Charisma magazine, you know, the young up-and-coming ruler of Israel, youngest ever, Christianity today. Absolutely not. Nothing happened. And then he, he had this opportunity to fight Goliath, and he did, and he won, and instantaneous, instant popularity. Instant popularity. People were singing the praises of David. Until God chose to take away. And now we see him in the wilderness being hunted like an animal. I mean, he doesn't have hardly any friends. He got more enemies than he can count. But... Brothers and sisters, after that dark night, and it lasted a long time, you can read all about it in your Psalms. <laughs> He's despairing <laughs> everywhere. But after the dark night, listen, what happened? God took away the first king, Saul, and he established the second king, David. He took away that he might establish and when he establishes, it's always better. David was a better king than Saul. 
He had his morning. He had his resurrection. Brothers and sisters, do you not understand that when God begins new with you, when He does a new thing in your life, when He does a new thing in your life as a church, He's going to bring you into an evening? He begins with evening. He begins in darkness. And He will take away. So that, what? He will establish. And what He establishes is always better than what He took away. And then there's Hosea the prophet. Now just listen to this. I'm just going to read this prophecy to you. It's absolutely beautiful. It's Hosea chapter 6. Listen to this. Come, let us return to the Lord, for He has torn, but He will heal us. He has smitten, and He will bind us up. After two days He will revive us, and in the third day He will raise us up, and we shall live in His sight. Praise the Lord. That we shall know, as we follow on to know the Lord, listen to this, His going forth is prepared as the morning. Praise the Lord. He takes away that He might establish. And then we come to Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Our Lord appears. Think about what He came into. Think about His birth. Do you know that darkness covered the earth when Jesus came into the earth, when He made His appearance? Israel was under the iron fist of the Romans. People were being oppressed, suppressed. It was a sad, dark time. It was an evening. It was a dark night. And then the light appeared. And He came into the world. But then, He had His dark night in Gethsemane, and He had His horrible, devastating, catastrophic evening on Calvary. And Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says this, that the Lord endured the cross for the joy that was set before Him. He knew. He knew. The morning followed the evening. That's right. He knew that the day, the dawn, followed the night. And He saw what it was. And so that gave Him the power to endure it. But look over at the disciples. That's another story altogether. I want to paint the scene for you. Here they are. They're associates on the Lord's staff in His ministry. And that was something nice. I mean, think about it. You get your IRS taxes paid by going fishing. You know, if you're hungry, He creates food. He handles all the criticism. You know, they're just standing behind Jesus, following Him. He's doing everything. He's taking care of it. They're just, I mean, that's a great team to be on. Think about it. You know what I mean? And then He says, I'm going to be taken away from you. And he gave some parables about this. The parable about the bridegroom. Remember John the Baptist's disciples? They said, well, why don't your disciples fast, Lord? And his response was what? Bridegroom is here. They don't need to fast and mourn. But there will come a day where he will be taken away. And they will fast and they will mourn. And what did he say to the disciples? I will be taken away. But if I don't go... I and the Spirit will not be able to come. So it is what? It's better that I be taken away. It's better. Now, of course, they didn't think that. 
When he was taken away, what did they do? They went, they went back to the old life. I mean, that was a dark time for those guys. I'm sure they were thinking, that's it. It's over. We followed him for three years, and he let them kill him. Forget about it. We had the promise of all that what he said would happen, and where are we now? I mean, it was total annihilation to them. And I can imagine those three days seem like a millennium for them. They lost all their reputation. They lost their reputation. They lost their ministry, their hope. And the Lord even told them, He said, you will experience sorrow, but your sorrow will be turned to joy. They forgot that part. <laughs> they did. They forgot that. But we forget that part. Hey, when we're in the dark night, we're not thinking about the morning. Right. We're not thinking about the, the day. Yeah, true. We think the evening comes after the morning. Our day starts with the morning, but God's beginnings are our nights. It's totally He He starts His day with the evening. And then he brings the morning, and the morning is always better than the evening. He takes away that he might establish. Remember the parable he gave about the child in labor? And as he was talking to the disciples, he says, you're going to experience sorrow when I go. But the sorrow will be turned to joy. He says, consider the woman who's in labor. Now let's talk about, let's talk about a woman who's pregnant. This is darkness. <laughs> Sickness in the morning. Vomiting. you got to get a new wardrobe. It doesn't matter what you wear, you still feel fat. <laughs> Since I haven't experienced it, I could talk about it. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you do, there is no curve anymore. Oh my goodness, look at the stretch marks. Oh my goodness, I can't sit and be comfortable. Oh my goodness, I can't wear my two-piece for the summer. <laughs> I mean, it's just a dark night. And then labor. I have no idea, I don't want to know, but I heard the screams. My goodness, talk about darkness. But what did the Lord say? When she finishes her travail and the baby is born, she remembers the pain no more. She doesn't remember the pain. She forgets all the nasty things she was saying while she was in pain. She just, it's erased because the child is born and the morning is here and she's forgotten about the night. He takes a way to establish. And what he establishes is always better. So that's the Lord. And he talked about this a lot in his parables. Remember the old wineskin and the new wineskin? God is going to take away the old wineskin so that he can deposit new wine. And he needs a new wineskin. So the Lord tampers with our wineskin. And it's so true, the words of the scripture where it says, a man who has drunken the old wine has no desire for the new wine, thinking the old wine is better. But that's not true. The new wine is better. He will destroy the wineskin to give a new wineskin. He'll take away the old wineskin to produce a new wineskin. That's why there's changes in church life. Because he wants to deposit new wine. He wants to give a release of newer wine. You cannot exhaust the wine of Christ. And so Amen. consequently, he has to tamper with the wineskin now and then. He's got to tear it down because old wineskins will burst. They don't give. They don't stretch. And so consequently, he will take away so that he might establish a new wineskin. And what he establishes is better than what was taken away. This is the way that our Lord works, brothers and sisters. First darkness 
then light. First evening, then morning. First death, then life. What you call the end of the day, God calls the beginning. This is our Lord. And He wanted His disciples to learn that lesson, and He wants you and I to learn that lesson. We have a seasonal God, and He works in seasons in our lives individually and in our lives as a church. You have winter, spring, summer, and fall. The winters are the hardest. Sometimes you don't just have a winter, you have a blizzard. And this is where everything you touch does not turn to gold, turns to mud. It's like God isn't even there. But just remember this, it will come to an end. But God's bringing you through it. God's bringing the church through it. He will bring a church through winter. Do you realize that this is what the Lord has been doing here? Only to bring you into the spring. And then you'll barge into the summer. And then you'll go into a fall. And guess what? There's going to be another winter. He just recycles us through this process. This is how He works. But if you can remember this, that we have a Lord that takes away so that He may establish. And what He establishes is always better. Brothers and sisters, God has taken away so that He might establish. And what He will establish, what He is establishing, will be better than what He took away. Don't despise the evening. It's a promise of the morning. Remember this. And I'm going to close with this illustration. It's the same thing. But I find it fascinating that the Lord is so consistent. All throughout the Scripture, God's choice is always with the secondborn, not with the firstborn. Jacob have I loved. Esau have I hated. Esau was the firstborn. And he took Esau out of the race to establish Jacob, who fulfilled his purpose. It was to the second, not the first. It was to the one that came after. Ishmael and Isaac. He took away Ishmael, and he established Isaac. Isaac was the second child. Manasseh was the firstborn, but Ephraim was the secondborn, and God's favor was with Ephraim. Our Lord is not a fan of the firstborn because He takes away the first to establish the second. The first man, the first man He took away, Adam, put him out of his misery, and He established the second man, Jesus Christ. David had a child with Bathsheba, and he literally took the child away. But the second child was Solomon, who had the kingdom and the favor of the Lord. And guess what? Your birth, your first birth, did not have the favor of God. It was the second time you were born, born from above. He takes away the first that he might establish the second. And the second, brothers and sisters, is always better. So my word is just encouragement that when you're going through the dark night, as a church and as an individual, that when you're in the evening... This is not the end. This is the beginning. God creates. When He creates something new, He starts out with darkness. He starts out with evening. It's the exact opposite of what we think. 
but get behind the eyes of the Lord and watch how he works. And the night and the evening and the darkness are the promise of a new day. That's where we are right now. Praise the Lord. We will not remember the past. We have no past. Behold, I do a new work which has come out of the evening, come out of the darkness, come out of the night. He takes away that he might establish. Behold, I do a new work and it shall spring forth. And I thank God that he has shown mercy to me that I can behold it and be a part of it. Amen.